idea about not having a belly button is that there's no umbilical cord because you were grown in a laboratory, ergo no, you know, connection to a mother. Oh. Yeah. <sighs> cool. It was a TV show, and it was like a short-lived, it was one of those like alien TV shows. It was just like a hot, hot guy is an alien. Oh, yeah, that's right. And the, pic- the picture, the promo they would always show is him with his shirt up, and it would show his stomach where he didn't have a belly button. I was like, ooh, he's an alien. His chiseled rock hard abs and no belly button. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yep. (laughs) Let's see you segue that. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bloody Podcast. I'm your host, Maria Felix, (laughs) along with my co-host, Lori Roggenkamp, and our resident guest, Cash Abdumalik. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I would love it if we just don't even do any of our previous conversation and just start with Cash saying, let's see you segue that. <laughs> you you have to stop trying to give me pointers on on when <laughs> we cut it. <laughs> it ruins the same, the joke. It ruins it. <laughs> it's like when you do that thing where you start laughing before you intro us. When we weren't saying anything beforehand. It's getting the audience on board. <laughs> hey, guys, this is a bloody podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, thanks for walking in the room where we're already having fun. We're always uh, laughing. It's always a party laughing. over here. Yeah. The woman murdered her son. Um, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's how we get started. Good times. You want to start at a good energy because yeah. it's going to get dark. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Okay. Uh, well, today we're traveling to the state of Louisiana. Louisiana. And we're talking about a woman named Tony Joe Henry. Tony Joe. Tony Joe Henry was the first and only woman to be executed in Louisiana's electric chair. Hmm. This is the story of how she got there. Lovely. Did she trip and fall? <laughs> she did. She did trip and fall into the electric chair, and it was just like a whole thing where her shoe fell off, and then it tripped the switch because it like flipped through the air. Oh. <laughs> she's a real. She's a real Mrs. Bean. That one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, before she did that, she walked like a plank between two buildings. <laughs> <laughs> just so happened to fall where she needed it. <laughs> That's why the Mrs. Bean character didn't last as long. Yeah. As the regular Bean. Mr. Bean character. <laughs> Stupid woman. <laughs> Tony was born Annie Beatrice McQuiston in Shreveport, Louisiana on January 3rd, 1916. Uh, She had her mother, Ella Beatrice Reese McQuiston, for the first couple of years, but her mom fell ill with tuberculosis. So Tony went and lived with her grandmother for a while. Tony's mom passed away when she was six years old. An old news article says that she left behind a large family, and I know that Tony had a younger brother because she talks about him, but I don't know how many more siblings there were. I know that there must have been a lot because quickly after her father, James Leslie McQuiston, remarried. Uh, Unfortunately, James was an abusive alcoholic. And and very awkward. Her new stepmother wasn't said to be a walk in the park either. It was a match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a walk in the park, their relationship. But not their relationship with their kids. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was probably it. <laughs> they loved each other. They hated the kids. Yeah. Uh, Tony's dad beat her often, sadly. Oh. And this went on. And then at 13 years old, she got a job at a macaroni factory. Which, if you take away the fact that it's child labor, it's super cute. To say that a kid got a job at a macaroni factory. That is true. I'm sure the millions of kids that are listening to this are going to be like, I want to work in a macaroni factory. Macaroni. Macaroni. Yeah. The, all the all our kid fed base. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, 
They come for the voices. They stay for the murder. Yeah, they're making. They're taking notes, which is really awkward. <laughs> Tony was fired because the owner found out that tuberculosis was in her family. So I guess that was the thing back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how likely it is that Tony would have been infected, but I guess she could have been, and it could have been latent in her, like latent tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. I just love that it's like child labor, but they're like, no, kid, go home. We don't want to infect the other children we're forcing to work. Yeah. To your tuberculosis. I mean, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> or the precious, precious macaroni. Mm. Oh, yeah. That would be awful. That would be awful. Mm. So her dad beat her once again for losing her job. Hey. Oh. And Tony ran away shortly thereafter. She lived with her aunt for a while, but by 14, she turned to the streets and entered into prostitution, changing her name to Tony Joe Hood. She was a frequent attendee in court for petty crimes and robbery, but was always giving pretty lenient sentences because of her young age. Then she found work at what back then they called a, quote, dance hall, which was just a brothel. Oh, okay. But they didn't like to put, like, bad words in the newspaper, and bad words were everything back then. So instead of a dance, instead of a brothel, it was a dance hall. Instead of, like, drugs, it'd be, like, goings on. Goings on. <laughs> yeah. Goings on. There was goings on at the dance hall. Yeah. <laughs> Friend, you know, it's the same thing. Like, lesbians were friends or roommates. That's how they printed in the newspaper, because they just wouldn't talk about this stuff so or sisters oh, or sisters i guess were black and people were black people no good nicks i was gonna say that that's Lori's fantasy is that they're called sisters sisters <laughs> yeah, <that's crazy. laughs> why is that my fantasy no they genuinely like they would just like because you would get these like two old women who were living together and they'd just be like yeah we're sisters <laughs> So <laughs> that's why we're so close. Yeah. So it'd be like uh. Meredith died and she was survived by her sister, Sandra. But you could so easily check that. No, but they didn't want to. They'd be like, <laughs> she would later say that she did a lot of things she regretted during her time there, but that they wouldn't let her leave. During the years, during these same years, she also traveled between Texas and Louisiana turning tricks, and she began dating a prizefighter who apparently wasn't very kind to her. They spent a few years together, and she eventually left him and landed at another brothel in Shreveport's Red Light District. You guys are being super quiet. I'm just taking all this info, all this information in. <laughs> it's I'm interesting. Try- I, I was gonna say something, but I was thinking about what a red light district is, and then I was thinking about Shreveport in that time, and just how crazy that could be. I don't have anything just yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't have anything just do yet. You, do you think maybe the red light district was actually a red light that they all walked down? You see, this is what I'm trying to avoid. I'm, this is hey. what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. But it was red. Cont- content. <laughs> Good lord. Content. <laughs> Get all this out. No. Yes. Qu- quality over quantity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I I hate to break it to you, but that's not my motto. <laughs> okay. Shreveport, huh? Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Fun fact: Shreveport's red light district was a small part of town where prostitution was decriminalized in the late 1800s. It's similar to New Orleans Storyville, which is their version of the red light district where prostitution was decriminalized. Storyville? I've never even heard of that place. Mm-hmm. I just thought that all of New Orleans was like, we're fine with prostitution. Well, the, the maybe. I mean, I can't say that I'm... A super familiar. I mean, we know the French Quarter had prostitution, but it That's was still right. illegal. It's like underground, right? So where it's decriminalized it was kind of like a social ex- experiment where the courts, the police couldn't come prosecute prostitutes in that area. Mm. It wasn't legal. 
it was just decriminalized. It's like this weird gray area that, you know, our lovely court system thought up. Ah, uh, the it's law. Like how, yeah, <laughs> it's like how weed is right now. It wasn't. Yeah. Like, like it, federally, yeah. it was still illegal, but in state, certain states, it was not illegal. Got yeah. it. You could have eight prostitutes, but nine, you're going to jail. But I need non-prostitutes. <laughs> it's a social experiment that I'm having in my house. <laughs> the ninth one is when I finally come. That's true. Can I have eight and one really short one? Mm-mm. Not unless you want to go to jail. For but that's an 8.5. Sir, you have nine bags of prostitutes in your car. Uh, four for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, in 1917, so a year after um, Tony was born, hardcore moralists uh, won out and the district in Shre- of Shreveport was shut down. Um, but obviously not totally, mm-hmm. because when Tony hit the brothels 15 years later, they're up and running. Yeah. And they just keep it quiet, just like, just like every other city. Yes. Yeah. I always love that, like, it's like, Every 10, 20 years, you get somebody who's like, I'm going to clean up the city and we're going to make it free from prostitution. It's like, well, you're just like moving it down the street. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what they do. You're just moving it down the street further away from your district. But I feel like that's usually a politician. So it's like, I cleaned up this town. It's three square block footage. <laughs> yeah. It's the Ru- Rudy Giuliani method of. Yep. Politicking. He did so great. In 1939, Tony met yet another down-on-his-luck prize fighter. She has a type. They're fighters. They're prize fighters. Yeah. (laughs) That that uh, came out weird. Was Rocky... That uh, wasn't even it. That wasn't Rocky? (laughs) That was just me and my voice came weird. I thought it was Rocky. (laughs) I thought that was like Robert De Niro and Raging Bull. (laughs) (laughs) Sally likes to loan to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's got a type. Tony Joe. So this prize fighter's name was Claude Henry, nicknamed Cowboy. Cowboy Henry. <laughs> they fell in love, mm-hmm. but they both had their demons. <sighs> By this time, Tony was heavily addicted to drugs. She used cocaine and heroin to cope with the trauma that she had been through basically her entire life. Sure. Cowboy told his new lover that it was a little bit more than just bad luck on his side as he was wanted for murder for murdering a man in Texas who turned out to be a former police officer. Awkward. Super different, but I guess the same. (laughs) I actually punched him so hard and then I hit him with the pistol, but the bullet actually hit him that I shot out of the pistol that I shot at him. But, you know, it was an accident. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I-, I love you. I love you. Can you pass me that needle? What's that? Can you pass me the needle? Oh, the heroin needle. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that was it. That's how it went. That, that is how it, how it went. Yeah. <laughs> Their love was unwavering, and Cowboy took care of Tony, pulling her through withdrawal and recovery. Tony got clean, and the two married that same year on November 25th. Beautiful. 1939. Beautiful. Happy almost anniversary to them. Yes. And that's that's bloody podcast, guys. All right. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for listening. The beautiful tale. They lived happily ever after. They both recovered. He was forgiven because it was in self-defense. It was really nice. Um, yeah. Oh, so- wait. The electric chair. I forgot <laughs> where we start, what we started with. No, that was a farce. <laughs> that was a red herring. <laughs> For a happy ending. The couple left town and honeymooned in Southern California. But when they returned, the cops caught up to them and arrested Cowboy. No. He was tried and sentenced to 50 years in the Texas State Penitentiary. That's a lot of time. Yeah. Sure is. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what I'll fill my time with. I suggest heroin. <laughs> it better be not not be other dudes. Yeah, don't don't do other dudes. Yeah, just drugs. Just drugs. That's <laughs> fine. 
she would later tell the court that she knew about the murder before they got married, but she didn't care. Claude loved her and was good to her, and she had gotten clean and barely touched liquor since he'd been with her. Heartbroken and alone again, Tony tried turning back to drugs, but not even that satisfied her. She decided she'd try to break her husband out of prison hmm. and enlisted the help of some shady dude named Harold Burks. By the way, there is a movie. I don't know if Lori got a chance to watch it. I don't think she did. It's a movie you can find on Tubi called uh, The Pardon. And it's Jamie King starring as Tony Joe Henry. <laughs> and it's the guy, I can't remember his name. Uh, it's the boyfriend, it's Samantha's boyfriend from Sex in the City. The one that stays with her super long and like gets her through cancer. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know yeah. what I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> the one that she like, she like loves and then all of a sudden for no reason in the movie breaks up with. Yeah, that yeah. One. yeah. Yeah, that guy. MC Ganey's yeah. in it. MC Ganey's in The Pardon. He's acting like a real doof, a real boob. <laughs> yeah, they make him, you know, simple guy. Yeah. Jason simple guy. Jason Lewis. Yeah, is the actor's name from Sex and the City. Nice. That's his name. Jason Lewis played cowboy cowboy Claude Henry in the movie. Anyway, huh? Uh, I came back in the house at the tail end of this movie. It was perfect timing. The perfect timing. I think that's all anybody needs to see. Just watch the last 10 minutes of it, and you'll be thrilled. <laughs> um, no context. It'll just be like, this has got to be a comedy. <laughs> it's a made-for-TV movie, and it looks like everybody who worked on it really cared about the story. <laughs> I, I just had to finish watching a Christmas movie called Christmas with the Corgis. Oh, that's nice. So, so when you were like, oh, there's this movie, I, I go, I started, and I was like, no, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I literally felt my stomach <laughs> churning. I was like, I can't, I can't subject myself to this. It wasn't the worst made-for-TV movie we've seen. But it was a bad made-for-TV movie. If it wasn't the worst. Everybody was earnest. That's a glowing review. It wasn't the worst. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. They all tried their best. They did. They really did. And it's hot. It's hot down there. I'm pretty sure they shot it on location in Shreveport. It, it's hot. And they got to use these old buildings that don't have AC. Mm. It's probably really Oh, hot. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> if that's any defense. Hot today. It was hot. It's going to be hot tomorrow. <laughs> um... Anyway, the reason I mention it is because in the movie, this guy, Harold Burks, is portrayed as being a friend of uh, cowboys. and Like a shitty friend. Just like, not even a friend, a shitty acquaintance that's like, comes up to them when they're watching another fight. And he's like, hey, good to see you out of prison again. Is, is this your lady? Ah, if you need to leave her alone, I can be with her. It's like, what? That's, why, <laughs> why would you say this? That's guys. <laughs> That's a guy saying to other guys. Don't leave her alone around me. I'll rape her. Hey, is this your wife? Mm, she's a hot tamale. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know when I you're mean, leaving town. I'll take care of her, if you know what I mean. It's like you were there. <laughs> Maria, I'm shocked that you're so surprised by that. Cash's best man at your wedding. That was his whole speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the transatlantic accent. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We should have known when he put on that fedora. <laughs> yeah, it's and a, did a really milked it. Like, did a real arc when he put it on. Like, I was like, oh, <laughs> we're starting something. Here we go. Uh, there are two kind of different reports. One says Burks was an ex-con who told Tony that he knew the penitentiary's layout and could help her break Cowboy out. Another version says that Tony and Burks' plan was simply to rob a bunch of banks and somehow use the money to convince <laughs> the judge and the courts to release Cowboy. So I'm not step sure. One. <laughs> step one, rob a bunch of banks. 
Step two, question mark. Step three, freedom. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they didn't even write down banks. They would just rob them. Who's, uh. the, who's them? Banks. banks. Sure. They have a lot of money. They do. Rob them banks. I also would love if this was like the how the the TV show Prison Break got its got started from this uh, story where like he was like I know the layout because I've tattooed it all over my body and it's just like <laughs> one line that is just like you walk here and then you turn left yeah and it's and then, an L. <laughs> <laughs> This was the way I came in and out, and that's mm-hmm. all I remember. That's yeah. That's I got it. I figured it out. <laughs> so I think that the latter makes Tony seem pretty naive, but then the former makes her seem really devious. Yeah. So because both of those pictures were painted of her in the media, as we'll see, then it's hard to tell which one was true. But I'm going to reckon that it was probably. Rob the banks mm-hmm. because that's what they go on to do. They don't go straight to the prison. Okay. Yeah. Well, it could have just also been a brainstorming session where they were like, there's no bad ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're going to write them all down. Yeah. I'm sure when, somebody, when they mentioned Rob Banks, they're just like, okay, uh, that's one. Rob Banks. Uh, yeah. We got anything else? We dig him out. <sighs> okay. Dig him out jesus um clowns clowns i don't know i just i think something with clowns i'll write it down i'll write it down (laughs) hey i'm just i'm just walking by i'm a i'm a random person but i was just thinking what happens if you use a series of twigs oh oh you like that you could go with the clowns. Okay, well, let's put twigs on here. <laughs> <laughs> and like decades later, they read it and they're like, she was a diabolical genius. <laughs> She's yeah. a mastermind of crime. She's going to use clown twigs. Yeah, the great clown twig heist. <laughs> Harold and Tony took off on their proposed crime spree. For their first stop, they robbed a hardware store for 16 guns. They sold guns at hardware stores? I mean, where else do you sell them? They sold guns everywhere. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's more true. <laughs> Hi, I'm here to get a hammer. We don't have any hammers. We do have guns, which can be used as hammers. <laughs> you can either use the butt or you can shoot the nail in place. <laughs> I'll take 16. Good man. You know how there were like, there are, like when you drive down like PCH or if you're driving to upstate California... There's, like, people selling berries. Mm-hmm. Like, there used to be stands where people would just sell guns. Like, it'd just be, like, really? guns. <laughs> guns, yeah. That's pretty fucking so wild. You could just pull over and get a gun. <laughs> What's super annoying is you have to go to the guy across the street to get the ammo. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, like, who do you go to first, you know? Yeah. You so. guys are so stupid. <laughs> So they got their 16 guns. I don't know, very specific number. But I guess they probably just cleared the guy out for guns. Nice. You know what I'm starting to think? Is that they have a guy who's just there to keep minutes and records. Because it's weird that they have so many of these, like, I don't want to be involved. I just like taking notes. Yes. (laughs) It's just this reporter that's been on for the whole time. He's just like, do what you need to do. My name is Andrew Jenkels. And I love taking notes. <laughs> How many guns do we have? It doesn't matter. It always matters. I need to catalog this. <laughs> then they began hitchhiking towards Stuttgart, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Where Harold recommended a bank to hold up. He said he knew a bank there that was probably easy to hold up. The unfortunate kind soul who stopped for them was named Joseph P. Calloway, or J.P. Calloway. He was a car salesman from Houston on his way to Lake Charles when he found the pair on the side of the road. He offered to take them as far as he went. They were in the car with him for less than 10 minutes when they pulled a gun on him and told him to pull over. They had decided that they would use the car that he had 
as their getaway car for their bank robberies. Poor JP. So they forced Joseph into the trunk of the car, and they even slammed his hand on the on the on the door because they didn't let him get in in time. Oh uh, no! So they closed the trunk on his hand. Yeah, very rude. Oh my god. Very rude. That's so rude. He was like, "Y'all riding with JP? What's that pistol for, sister? <gasps> <laughs> Holding me up? Oh no, no, no! <laughs> get in the trunk, you say? But I can't drive from the trunk." My hand! Ah. <laughs> this isn't the last of JP. No, sir! No, sir! No one knows for sure how the conversation went after that, but Burks drove the car to a remote, a remote road by a field where the ground was still mostly frozen. There, they told Joseph to get out of the car and strip naked. You want to see JP's goods? <laughs> Tony said... She wanted a change of clothes for Cowboy when he got out of jail. Then they made Joseph crawl through the barbed wire fence. And then once on the other side, bleeding and naked, they told him to get on his knees and say his prayers. While he begged for his life, they shot him. Who pulled the trigger would become the big caveat in Tony's murder trial. They got back in the now stolen vehicle and continued driving towards Arkansas. Burks must have started getting cold feet because once Tony started talking about the bank and they started getting close to where it was supposed to be, they, he said he didn't want to do it anymore. Frustrated, Tony hit Harold over the head with the butt of her gun, knocking him unconscious. Based on that, I think that Tony is the one who shot JP. Yes, I think so, too. That's just that that behavior. And immediately, if they're like in the movie that we were watching, the the movie that I watched the last 10 minutes of, they were like, oh, she's such a princess. She's such a divine angel. And it's like, nah, son, if you're going to fucking be cool with doing that shit right after somebody shoots a naked, bleeding man to death, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, it was probably you. Also, Burks had no reason to ask the dude to take his clothes out off. It's actually... Uh, like, it wouldn't make any sense, you know? Like, it's dangerous for them to keep going with the clothes, connects mm-hmm. them to the murder. So it definitely seems like her her logic, because her logic so far mm-hmm. seems pretty fucking flawed. Mm-hmm. And she also said yeah. she wanted clothes, clothes for uh, yeah. her guy. That's fucking nuts. Does she get to Cowboy? Does she reach him? Uh, no. And he goes, these clothes are four sizes too small. Like... Uh, yeah. What were you doing just eyeballing clothes of a person? Like, <laughs> I'm a 44 waist. This waist is a 32. She she left Harold in the car and started making her way back to Shreveport. Eventually, so did Harold later on. He He's arrived. Um, but separate. They went their separate ways. Mm. She went to, she went to her aunt and uncle. And I don't know how quickly, but it I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume it was pretty fast. She confessed what she did. At the same time, the police discovered the body of J.P. Calloway out on that semi-frozen field. Another uncle, her aunt's brother, basically she tells her aunt and her uncle what she did, and then her aunt calls her brother, who is a Louisiana state trooper, who then comes to the house and escorts Tony into the local police station where she tells the police that she knows about the body that they found over on the highway and that she killed him. So far, this whole thing sounds like a, a season of Fargo. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like if there's a little bit of calamity, a little bit of like lighthearted foolishness. <laughs> yes. You know? Where it's Somebody like, oh, makes we, a really stupid decision. Yeah, really yes. stupid decisions. You know, it's cold. The, cold, the ground's cold. There's this grisly murder. This is yeah. fucking the next season of Fargo. Yeah. A, na- a naked man. Naked man. Naked man. Um, pregnant sheriff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. This is Fargo, guys. Yeah. Elaborating on her story, she originally said that she pulled the trigger to the police. Uh, then they arrested her and they arrested Harold, 
who had apparently also been getting drunk and telling people like around him what he had done. So neither of these two people seemed like they were made for murder because it was heavily, it was weighing heavily on their conscience very quickly. Mm. So she was charged with murder and her first trial began in 1940. During her testimony, she said Burks had turned yellow like a rat and that's why she hit him with the gun. But she changed her original statement. Yeah, yellow like a rat doesn't make any sense. She obviously said it wrong. Yeah. But that's what she said. Yeah. She said yellow, yellow like, like a, a rat. rat. What the fuck? Don't you question Tony Joe? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm just worried about the water supply in that town, if that's what the rats look like. Yeah, everybody's got jaundice. <laughs> yeah. he, w- he turned yellow like a rat and then as green as a fish. Oh, I don't know if you should be eating anything in that area. This here Shreveport. Yeah. Uh, But she changed her original statement that she had given police and said that Burks had pulled the trigger. Tony's story gained traction with the media because she was considered pretty and the severity of the charges combined with the scandalousness of a murder and the love story behind it, and the possibility that she was going to get the death penalty, all kind of just, you know, revved it up for the newspaper at the time. <laughs> Good lord. It's ridiculous. I also, I'm sorry, I don't think she's that pretty. Like I, I was just going to say. She's not that pretty. I was just going to say, I saw a picture of her. I ain't impressed. I'm not impressed. You ain't shit. She wouldn't make it out here in Hollywood. You're ugly, bitch. That's right. I said it. <laughs> You're fuckly. Well, I think that's like... She's not ugly. She's just plain. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I think... You know what? She's a murderer. I think we're allowed to be a little mean. That's yeah. true. She got a face like 10 miles of bad road. <laughs> Treacherous. She's 10 pounds of ugly in a five pound bag. Oh, um. shit. Don't you call yeah, Tony I Joe can. fat? <laughs> Tony Joe's a lot of things, but she is not fat. She, there's also like a thing where I feel like, like in those days, like women or or even men who like just were like sort of like confident people saw as like really sexy. Because you see all the time with people like Bonnie and Clyde, and it's like you know the most beautiful couple. They were a beautiful couple. It's like first off, Clyde was like a little person mm-hmm. yeah they were both tiny people oh, like were they really yeah. That, yeah that like looked like his face had been hit with a frying pan he was like five foot two or something he was super short and she was like four eleven. i'm not saying that that's like a, a little person is like a de- designation for being not being attractive but it's just like you just did <laughs> you totally <laughs> just did no 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. We're kidding. We're kidding. We're kidding. They just make it seem like they, these like bl- blonde, blue-haired models, and it's like they were fr- can be further from the truth. Well, so. they are in the movie. They are literally <laughs> blue, blue-eyed. Yeah, right. Blonde-haired. Jamie King is blonde. They just put a wig on her yeah. for the movie. A- Academy Award wanting Jamie King. Okay, let's not shit on Jamie King. She <laughs> is a. a- Great actress of her time. Is she? She was really good as that mean cheerleader in that movie. Sorry, that's Jamie Presley. <laughs> I just remembered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you like Jamie King as? So? <laughs> What's that, sweetie? Um, go quick. I'm going to pause. Don't you, no, don't you pause. Uh-huh. Don't you pause. You think with your mind. You let us know. <laughs> <laughs> what you love Jamie King as? <laughs> I thought it was Jamie Presley. You were wrong. <laughs> Y'all know my client clearly has mixed up Jamie King and Jamie Presley. I would like to have her released on her own recognizance. <laughs> also, I am drunk. <laughs> That's Street Boy. That's Street Boy, boy. <laughs> Despite the fame that she was garnering, it is said that Tony didn't want any sympathy. It is said that her opinion was like life had already been hard on her and she thought that what most people considered common decency 
wasn't worth a damn. So because of this, the people that were uh, in her charge normally called her Tiger Girl or the meanest lady in Louisiana. And that was used in the media a lot. I don't think, honestly, I don't think either name kind of stuck. Tiger Girl is kind of like, she didn't do anything with a tiger. There's nothing really related to that at all. No. <laughs> that was just that was just some random dude. It's like, hey, Duke, look, dude, we're not going to name in another girl Tiger Girl. I don't care how many times you suggest it. She's not going to be called Tiger Girl. Well, how about we call her Can of Beans? Because she's got a whole bunch of beans. All right. Now I'm starting to think that you're just a crazy person we hired to name people in this newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the pencil eraser killer. Right. You know what? That's not a bad one. If she had killed somebody with a pencil eraser. I'm leaving now. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. I have yeah. to go to my improv show. <laughs> Guys, that's the first successful improv scene that both Cash and I have done in over five years. <laughs> Someone's tired. All of us. <laughs> I'll be accepting my Herald team submission next. <laughs> Two people will get that, and those two people are the ones I'm doing the podcast with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Harold things are a thing of the past. Oh, my God. Uh, but there is a Harold in this story. Oh. Yeah, Harold Burks. Yeah. That's right, Harold Burks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a dick, just like the Harold. <laughs> so Harold Burks, during his own trial, because they were granted separate trials, was found guilty and sentenced to death. For her own trial... The jury found her guilty and sentenced her to hanging. Tony appealed and won her appeal on the grounds that there was too much press surrounding her case for people to be unbiased. Then the second trial took place in 1941. And this time, Burks testified against her. He said that there was never a bank in and what did I say? Stuttgart in Arkansas. There was never a bank. The specific bank that he talked about was never actually there. And that he had taken her to a bogus spot. I don't really understand why he did that unless maybe he planned to rob her and leave her in the lurch. Oh. But apparently that wasn't one of the talking points. They just were like, Okay, well it didn't really exist. <laughs> I'm sick. telling you guys, Fargo. All the way. Yeah, yeah. All the way. <laughs> he also said that he feared how far she was willing to go to save her husband, which was another reason he started getting cold feet. But, I mean, you know. I mean, I get that. Because if he, if he saw, if Jamie, if Jamie, if, if Tony, if Tony. <laughs> if beloved, wonderful actress Jamie King did what, Maria? <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if Jamie King had got has gone insane and is now living her life as Tony Joe? Yeah, this is the one role she reverted to. Yeah. Yeah. An obscure 2003 made-for-TV movie. A tour de force. <laughs> um, if he saw if he saw Tony shoot this guy, if she kind of like snapped and was like, "We're gonna kill this dude." Then I can see why he's like, dude, I don't, I do not know what you're willing to do for your, for your husband. But also, she already said, I am willing to rob banks and put people's lives at risk and break into a state penitentiary to get my husband. So I really don't know. I bet you this guy was some fuck ass who thought that somewhere along the way she was going to sleep with him. Yeah, that's that's the motive. <laughs> that's that's absolutely the motive. So once he realized, oh shit, he's she's really ride or die for her vato. Um, <laughs> he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Well, I think I think probably what I've been watching Blood in Blood Out again today. <laughs> yes, she has. <laughs> yes, she has. You, you know, couldn't you couldn't leave that blank. Yeah. I'm not even going to share my opinion. It, yours is too good. Well, let's, we <laughs> no, please. Please. I was just going to say that I think that it's like, um, 
she basically was like dry humping him above his pants for like however long they were there and kept promising him that she would sleep with him if he got if if he helped her get her husband out of jail and then i think that maybe he did shoot the jp but that it was her screaming like shoot him shoot him shoot him in his ear and then he does it and then he realizes what he did and then he's like oh shit like i shot this person i can't you know well he says that they agreed that she would pull the trigger this is actually the last thing that the last point i had about his testimony they agreed that she would pull the trigger because she was a woman and would automatically get a lighter sentence Hmm. if they were found out so who knows Still, it still, it still could be one or the other. But, you know, Harold, he's convicted at this point. So he has nothing to really lose except that, and I can't find a claim of this being true or not. I, cause I, but in, in one of the points in the movie, again, the movie was that at one point he sent her a letter saying, I'll take the blame if you help me break out of prison. Uh, Which is like, you guys didn't get very far with that plan the first time. So why are you trying? Like, I feel like nobody's thinking out the breaking out of prison part. There's a lot of fences. (laughs) Fences. (laughs) Then again, it might have been easier back then. I mean. Well, if he was in prison, I don't think it was. It was easier, sure, but it was still hard. Yeah, things were built very sturdy. But apparently she was mostly kept in the in the jail of the courthouse of the like local I think like Lake Parish I think it was called courthouse. Hmm. Either way. Yeah. Um I just think that she they're all idiots. It's like they just think that it's like okay, you break me out of prison and then I'll break you out of prison. Right, right. right. Yeah, okay, <laughs> cool. What? Yeah, and then if you go to prison again, I'll I'll wait and I'll break you out. Yeah. I'll wait a couple weeks. If you go to prison, I'll I'll commit a murder and then I'll go to prison first and then I'll be there when you get there and then we'll both run out of the to the entrance. Okay, that sounds good. That's perfect. Cool. Then good. All right. (laughs) See you there. See you there. (laughs) They both both leave and go commit crimes. So press kept coming out about Tony in between her trials and people started feeling bad for Tony because there was the reporters that painted her out to be, you know, a damsel in distress who was just so happened to be in the car when the trigger was pulled or was co- coerced by Burks to do it, this and that. Um, and they started sending her gifts to prison and money. And back then, like, it was way more laxed and she had full-blown setups in her jail cell she had a couch she had a bed a dresser her niece even sent her a dog that she got to keep a a dog fucking ridiculous she got to live because people did not feel people started feeling like she's not guilty or she's only guilty or she's not that guilty because she's what she's a woman she doesn't seem like the type that could do this. She's well spoken. And that's it. Those were the those were the reasons. She was charming, so people didn't think that she did it. She is the prettiest white flower in all of the mm-hmm. prison cells. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That is fucking bullshit. And yet cameras keep breaking whenever they take a picture of her. Because she is hideous. Or During, better yet, she just blends in with the scenery. Yeah. Just like, I'm sorry, we just got a picture of a white wall. Oh, that's you. Yeah. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> During her second trial, the Louisiana method of execution was changed from hanging to electric chair. And at the end of her second trial, Tony Joe was found guilty again and sentenced again to death again, this time by, execu- by electric chair. Isn't that like, isn't that a bitch where you're just like, oh, man, now I'm going to be electrocuted? (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's super scary, I think, because it's a new thing. The electric chair is is new. It's not like a a tried and true thing 
that's been through many trials. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I have a feeling those early electri- electrocution machines were just like not great. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I, rem- I read reports on that a long time ago for a, a, a thing I was doing. It was like people's heads lit on fire and shit. Yeah. And it's just like, oh god. Some people didn't they even failed. fully die. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be like, just fucking do it. Just get the thing. Jesus. Yeah. It's awful. Mm-mm. So she tried appealing again, but her second appeal was denied. During her time in prison, she befriended a young priest named Father Wayne Richard. And in the movie is portrayed to have befriended the jail guard as well. Played by MC Ganey. Basically, everybody in the movie loves her, and she's super innocent the whole time, and she's just a victim of her own life. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. She's like, oh, my God, they're going to have to cut my hair off because I'm going to be electrocuted. And then she looks at the priest, and he's like, I know. I'm so sorry. And she's like, will you bury me with my hair? And he's like, I will. I will. And then... They fucking hold up her dog for her to hug. It's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Which supposedly the hair thing is true. Oh. She, was mo- she was most upset that they had to shave her head for the for the execution. Vanity. I mean, I would be pretty upset about it. Well, you've got better hair than she does. <laughs> I'd be upset too, but. You have great hair. See? Only because I have a wavy skull. So I'd be like, ugh, okay. (laughs) They're going to see my horns. Yeah. (laughs) This is going to be awkward. Um, I can explain the birthmark. So while she was in prison, she was uh, baptized and turned to the Catholic faith uh, by her father, Richard, which is good for her. Here's a pretty sad part. Hearing that his wife was sentenced to death, Cowboy Klon tried to escape from prison. Hmm. He did. He made it as far as Beaumont, Texas, from the state penitentiary before he was captured. Tony's sentence was carried out on November 28, 1942, just three days after what would be her wedding anniversary. Hmm. Cowboy was shortly afterwards released on parole due to poor health. But he was later killed in a bar fight in Dallas in 1945. The shop owner who shot him claimed self-defense and was never charged. It is said that Tony's ghost haunts the Calcasieu courthouse, where she was housed and executed. Reports of the smell of her perfume... Disembodied footsteps, office equipment not working and turning on and off, and the smell of burnt hair are reported in the courthouse. God. Oof. Otherwise known as courtroom noises. Everything is believable as ghostly except the office equipment not working. It's like, well, that's that's kind of par for the course. If I thought uh, like my printer was haunted every time it doesn't work, I'd... Be performing an exorcist, uh, exorcism yeah. every fucking day. <laughs> Although that does sound like Texas IT. It's like <laughs> it's haunted. Uh, Got them uh, ghosts in there. My computer's not working. Have you tried turning it off? Have you tried turning it off and on? Yes. Well, then it's haunted. So I can't help you. You better pray to the Almighty. <laughs> I just want to say. Contrary to Lori's joke, some of the most helpful customer service people I've ever had have had a southern accent. It's that true. They they also have the most patience because it's they the do. south, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So they're like, everything already takes a super long time here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't y'all slow down for a minute? The guy who helped me set up my sound bar was for, he had a, I don't know where he was from, but he had a southern accent. And he was like literally telling me to plug something into the, He's like, it's got, it's got, okay. Now, Lori, I know you can do this. It's got <laughs> a little headset on it. Do you see it? And I go, I, I, I don't know, dude. All I see is a microphone. He goes, okay, all right. Right above that, do you see a headset? He goes, I was like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you for not going. Are you a freaking moron? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I'm pretty sure he was like, God, I gotta get another job. I'm sure he was. After he hung up with me. But he was yeah. very polite about it. Very polite yeah. about it. And that's the story of Tony Joe Henry, the first woman and only woman to be executed executed by electric chair in Louisiana. So far. So far, yeah. It's like it I I, I did think about that because I was like, this feels like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It was nineteen sixteen. Sure it was a long time ago. But not that long. Not that long ago. It's definitely plenty of time for another woman to be executed via electric chair. And who knows what tomorrow will bring. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Please check us out at Bloody Podcast. If you like the show, please join our Patreon to help us. Any amount counts. We do have a $2, which is just uh, basically just a how do you do, a thank you. And we have 5 and $10 ones that are, that are uh, you get some bonus features as well. But anything helps. So have a great night day and i'll be talking to you guys from my new apartment next week yay Lori's moving back to the la area so everybody come check out her apartment yeah stay over <laughs> and sleep there yeah she doesn't yeah. mind she loves it i'll post the address in the patreon she has a pull-out couch and we're gonna get her a second pull-out couch so there's no excuse yeah for all of you guys oh i have a plug <laughs> oh okay <laughs> What's your plug, Cash? Uh, this Sunday, if you can, take a look at Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO, and you will see me on there. Yeah! What? Yeah, that's right. This Sunday, HBO! HBO. Yeah. Was this the first time that they gave somebody a script after seeing you improvise? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to give you actual lines. Yeah, Larry got, Larry was pissed. <laughs> Larry was like, "We can't. We okay. We're done. I'm done with this new process for this kid." Oh, I have a plug too. Actually, thinking about it, mm. uh, guys, that uh, if you're following my Instagram, you'll see the ticket link on there and the poster. I'm writing for um, your late night with Jody Sweeten, who is Stephanie Tanner from Full House. That's right. Oh my goodness! And the show will be playing digitally. Virtually <laughs> online <laughs> at Nowhere Comedy Club. Uh, tickets are available online. It'll be Friday, November 19th. This is the year 2001. In case anybody out there is listening in the future, this is 2021. 21. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to bed. <laughs> Good night, everybody.